the show and tell now, shall we? What is good, beautiful people of the world? I am not able to come up with anything, Creator K, and welcome to episode 22 of the Show and Tell podcast, a bi-weekly show on every first and third Tuesday of each month where a special guest and I share stories, music, and art that you should know about because sharing is caring. But in this episode, I am flying solo. I'm flying solo. I think I did that joke already. I'm just going to move on. In part one of the episode, I share my perspective on working solo versus with people, working with people versus working for them, and working with people online versus working with them in person. In part two, I share with you lovely listeners my favorite musical artist, one that might surprise you. I have mentioned them before, so you might know what's coming, and obviously if you know me, you probably know what's coming, but I'm very excited to go in depth and actually really ooze my love and passion out on this podcast for this musical artist. With that said, It's time for Show and Tell. Welcome to episode 22 of the Show and Tell podcast. I am your host, Creator K. I hope all is well with you listeners out there. And if you're not listening, then, uh, well, you're not really hearing what I'm saying right now. Like, you have no idea that this is going on in your lives. You're probably sitting on your couch or maybe you're in the car listening to music or, or another podcast that uh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, but you're not hearing this. So, well, anyway, I mean, I was going to say like all is, I hope all is well to you guys as well. But they're again, they're not really listening. So that doesn't really work out that way. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this bit. So I guess I'll just continue on with the episode again. Welcome to episode 22. I'm your host, Creator K. Joining me on this beautiful day is no one. It's me. I'm flying solo yet again. We actually did have a guest lined up. It was Jay Roosevelt, LA-based music producer. I was very excited to have her on, but last minute, quite literally last minute, about 20 minutes ago before we um, were going to start recording, she hit me up and she had a family emergency and she had to postpone it. So she will be a guest on in the future. And I hope you know I send all the good energy towards her and, and her family in uh, whatever's going on over there. But yeah, so we'll have her on in the future. So in the meantime, here I am. Uh, you get to hear my voice again. This is the third episode of the Show and Tell podcast. That is uh, me flying solo. And yeah, we're going to talk about some stuff. Or Well, I guess I'm going to talk about some stuff and you guys are going to listen if you will let me do so. So today we're going to talk about how to be flexible and think on the fly because of the, you know, like the current situation that's happening. So when, 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 uh, when something happens and that's something you don't have control over and you have to think on the fly, it's important to have a backup plan and, and, uh, maybe, and guess what? I don't, I didn't have a backup plan. That's whole, that's my whole point with this. And I guess this is a, a learning experience to have a backup plan when something that's planned doesn't actually happen. So here we go. And I did, I did kind of jot down some notes. I have a, a few things that I would like to share with you guys based on some recent experiences and just experiences that I've had over my career in the arts and stuff like that, that maybe will resonate with you guys. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm, I, ho- I hope you're excited to listen. Um, it's very dry in here. I'm already starting to get dry mouth because I live in a very old apartment in Boston. We moved from another apartment in Boston about maybe six months ago now. And it is just, uh, it's very old and it, the heat, the heat is gas, but it comes out through radiators. And I don't know if anyone has ever experienced that, but that heat is just 
very dry and it's a little stuffy. But right now it's a necessity because it is 20, what is the temperature right now? I, I put my phone away. I put it on airplane mode and put it away so, so as to not check it and be distracted. But guess what? My computer's right in front of me. So I'm gonna X all that and actually look up the weather because this is good content. Uh, let's see, Boston, MA. Current temperature is 27 degrees, feels like 16. Oh no, just went down, feels like 14. So the, the heat is necessary because it's very cold here. But I just came back from Orlando, Florida on a little work trip, which is something I'm gonna talk about a little bit uh, in a few minutes. Yeah, it was like 76 degrees there. And you know, I was only there for four days and I'm very much used to being in this cold weather in New England. And I grew up in upstate New York, so the weather is very similar there as well. So it's not like, you know, I was like, whoa, I totally forgot what it felt like to be in 26 degree weather. But being in Orlando, which by the way, I don't think I ever want to live in Orlando, Florida, not to like knock anyone who lives there who might be listening. Disney World's cool and universal, but that's obviously that's like its own world. Orlando is just was strange. We stayed in this timeshare that was on a swamp and all of the other timeshares around it looked very similar to each other or identical actually i was in a couple of them and they all looked exactly the same and everything's like one big strip mall it's very strange I, I just got weird weird energy from it it was it was great like weather wise and all that but uh orlando is kind of weird i just don't see myself living there but anyway the, the weather was amazing 76 degrees 82 max i think one of the days and uh, yeah, it was quite a, a shock coming back here, which, you know, again, I've, I grew up in upstate New York, but being in that weather for four days made me totally forget how cold it is here. And it's kind of a bummer <laughs> when, the, when the plane touched down yesterday. I got back in yesterday. Yeah, I was running on three hours of sleep yesterday. And today I'm running on a little bit more sleep, but I'm still trying to catch up. So I'm a little tired. Basically, all of the ingredients for a successful podcast episode are happening right now. I got dry mouth. I am tired. I am floundering a little bit because I have to run this episode on my own now and I didn't really prepare. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm feeling the energy right now. I did a little dancing before we kicked off because I was uh, kind of freaking out. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And but then I figured it out. So let's just jump into it now. I want to talk a little bit about working with others and my experiences with working with others or for others or, you know, working for others, but in the capacity where you're also working with them to complete a project or make a product. In my case, it's a lot of cover art or music videos or other video work in general. So working with others on a client contractor level, a collaborative level, working solo versus working with someone else and working in person versus working with people over the internet. So I'm, I'm just gonna start by kind of sharing my experience. I have always worked as a solo operator. I've always worked as a, a lone wolf, as some might say. I've always worked by myself in the sense that, you know, if someone were to hire me to do a video shoot or to do graphic design work, cover art, logo, whatever, I am the sole contractor. I'm the person who is working on the project. They're not hiring me and someone else to collaborate. So I've always been the only person to really finish a product. But for one, I think it's because it's hard for me to get my thoughts across at times. It's very, I, I'm, a, I'm very much a visualizer. The way that I listen to music, as soon as I, if I listen to music, that's very emotive or just kind of invokes some sort of reaction uh, in my brain. I always visualize. I always like imagine what a music video would look like to the song. 
So sometimes projecting those thoughts uh, onto other people or just putting them on the table and trying to explain what they mean and how it would be executed if it were to become a thing is a little difficult for me. So because of that, I would just do things myself because it was easier. I didn't have to worry about explaining it to someone else and hoping that they would get my idea and be able to execute it as well as it looked in my head. So that's one of the main reasons. The other one is probably more of just a stubborn one. And it they kind of cross over a little bit. It's, you know, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. So that's kind of how I was. And again, like I wanted my visions or I want my visions to be executed to the best of my ability. So bringing somebody else in, you know, might hinder that a little bit, but that's not always the best mindset to have. And that's something that uh, I have gotten better at. For sure. I very much enjoy collaborating with people more now what, in terms of me and the other person, or if we are speaking uh, grammatically correctly, the other person and I. I've learned that it is actually really awesome to have somebody else there to bounce ideas off of, somebody who might be better in one aspect of creation than I am, somebody who can tell me that my idea isn't capable of being done or, or it should be done this way or maybe it would look better this way. It's awesome to have that. And it usually makes for a better product, especially if you and the other person's energy really meshes well together and you guys are on the same page, the same wavelength, you're able to really make something awesome. And over the last, I don't know, couple of years, I've done more of that kind of work. I still enjoy doing things by myself. And I think that's sort of an ego thing where I want to be able to claim that I did something like, Yo, that, oh, you, that thing that you thought was really cool? Yeah, I did that. Because it makes me feel, I don't know, it makes me feel good, but it is a very much ego satiation kind of thing. And some of that I struggled to let go of because I wanted full credit for something. And I'm being very candid with you guys right now, very kind of vulnerable, and it makes me sound like a huge asshole. But that's just kind of how, that's just how I think. And I'm not afraid to kind of share that with you guys. And it's something that I'm not super proud of. But I am working through it and I have worked through it and gotten a lot better because it's it's again like it's, it's like I said, when you're working with somebody else and you are on the same page and you share the same perspective and you want to achieve the same goal, the product is only going to be better. You're only going to make something better because two is greater than one. Very easy, <laughs> very easy stuff. Two is better than one. Four eyes are better than two eyes when they share the same vision. Damn, oh shit, that was uh, really philosophical. I just came up with that on the fly. Super proud of myself, might just wrap it up here. <laughs> Anyways, so working with others is something that I'm not, uh, that, I, that I didn't always do, but I, I very much see the benefit of doing so now. So this weekend was the first time that I worked with a specific type of person in my job. So as you guys know, my job, my main source of income is video editing and just overall content production for Jimmy Conrad and the Soccer Minute, which is a, a new thing we just started. Just different types of content based around soccer on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. So Jimmy got invited to Orlando to play in a celebrity five-a-side match with Brazilian YouTubers and his team of other American influencers, content creators, and, and what have you. So he brought me along, who has been his longtime servant for about three and a half years now, and he brought along Monty Rossetti. Shout out Monty Rossetti. I hope you're listening to this because I feel like we really connected this weekend, and I, told, and I like, like we shared a room together 
uh, the Mickey Mouse room at the at the timeshare. And if you're not listening to this right now, man, that really hurts. So I hope <laughs> so I hope you are. So anyway, he brought he brought us both along is what I am trying to say. And normally it's you normally it's just me. Sometimes there's other people who come along and help. And there's been a, a few trips where Miko, shout out Miko, who does a lot of the graphics for Jimmy, would, would be along on the trip as well. But Monty is the first person who's been on a trip with us and has been in, heavily involved in the production side of things, being a, a second camera, being a part of the think tanks and brainstorming process. It's basically just uh, another person to just add to the fire that we are trying to create. So it's really great having him there. And this weekend was the first time that I actually got to work with him. And this is one of those situations where my eyes were really opened up to how awesome it is to have somebody along with me that shares the same vision or has a slightly different perspective, but still a positive one, a forward thinking one that will bring us to our end goal in whatever that may be, whether it's um, you know short form content or a vlog or, or whatever. In, in this specific situation, um, it was really awesome to have him. You know, second camera lightens the load on me. He has a brain as well. So Jimmy and I aren't the only ones thinking of ideas. So that's awesome because we were trying to create a lot of different things. And when you have a lot of different things to create, your brain is kind of being pulled in different directions. So having three brains or four brains or however many minds are involved in whatever project that you're taking on, it's really awesome to have somebody maybe thinking about one thing. So the other person doesn't have to think about that and they can focus on another aspect of the project. So that was really awesome to have him there. I will be honest, I did have a few of those moments where I was like, no, I, I want to be the one getting that shot or like, I, I, want, to, I want to think of the idea uh, this time around, but I just had to let it go. It's important to just let those things go, especially because, you know, again, in this specific situation, Monty demonstrated to me that he's really good at what he does and he has great ideas. And I need to kind of just ease off on the control a little bit because I need to put some faith in other people and trust that they're thinking towards the same goal and they're looking at the at what's in front of them and, and they have the same end game in mind. So yeah, Monty, again, if you're listening, <laughs> what up? I didn't tell you this in person, I don't think, because I didn't really think about it at the time. I was, I was reflecting on it on the flight home for a little bit and I was thinking about that. And I think that's really dope that, you know, again, when you have somebody that you can lean on a little bit or you can lean on each other, it, it's, it, it only makes for a better product. I get, again, that's really the first time that I had somebody by my side kind of doing what I do and making a better product because I think we really did some great stuff that's not, not all of it's out yet. And if you want to see a lot of it, I'll probably post some of the clips or, or whatever we make on Instagram and that some of it's on TikTok and there's some cool like montages that we shot or well they're going to be montages it's not like that's not how it works you don't shoot a montage you shoot with the intention of making it a montage I'm getting all nerdy right now production wise but yeah there's some stuff that if you want to follow Jimmy Conrad or if you want to follow me at Creator K you can see some of that stuff that we put together um, it'll be out in the future I was working on it earlier and then I stopped because that I mean that's just how things work you you start them and and then you then you don't and then you you stop doing them and then if, and if they're not done you come back to it and then you finish it hell yeah dude that was hella insightful this is great stuff let's move on to the second part well i guess i don't even know how many parts there are but let's move on to the next part which is 
client contractor relationships and I'll just share some of my experiences. I know that all you freelancers out there or just independent artists, you know where I'm coming from. It sometimes sucks working <laughs> with other people when you're collaborating because at the end of the day, you're the one who is getting paid if it's like a paid gig. For example, if, if I'm making cover art for a musical artist, I'm gonna make what they want. I'm not gonna be like, nah, you're gonna pay me 50 bucks and I'm gonna make whatever the fuck I want. That's not how it works. So you have to compromise, of course. But at the same time, in a lot of situations, a client is hiring you to collaborate with them. It, you know, it might, They might not be saying that straight up, but they're hiring you because they enjoy your work. They like the work that you put in. They like what you do. They like your ideas. And they've heard from other people that you do really good work. And they want to collaborate with, with you on bringing their idea to life. And sometimes maybe they're looking to you for an idea as well because they again, I've seen what you're capable of doing. And that's kind of been the situation with me, which is kind of a humble brag, I guess, now that I say it out loud, but people will hit me up because they want me to create for them. And sometimes they have an idea, sometimes they don't. What I don't like is when people don't have any sort of idea and they just hit me up, hey, how much for cover art? Uh, and I give, you know, I'm, I say, oh, well, it's this, if it's this, it's this, if it's that, it depends on like the workload, the time, the, blah, 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 whatever, you know, your usual, you know, freelance spiel that you give people who reach out. And then I'm like, what did you have in mind? You know, what's, what's the song or what's the idea? They say, I don't, oh, it's, it's this song. I don't really have an idea. I don't know. I mean, okay, well, I can listen to the song and maybe come up with something, but it's kind of nice to have maybe even an inkling of an idea from the artist. So if you're listening to this and you are contemplating reaching out to people for the first time, to maybe work with and make a music video or make cover art. I'm being hyper specific again, because it relates just back to me and I'm the one who's talking. Maybe have an idea in mind or at least be candid about it and say, oh, well, I didn't really have any ideas in mind. I was hoping that maybe you could listen to the song and come up with something. I think that's a nice way of phrasing it. So that's one of the annoying things. And I don't mean this to be, these are some of the annoying things that I find when freelance working and doing contracts and stuff that I, that's not it might end up kind of being like that but yeah i'm not that's not the intention so that's one of the, just kind of the annoying things is when people have zero idea of what they want but they still hit you up kind of maybe formulate that think it out and then uh and then reach out because then it, then it's just such a pain because then you kind of don't know what to charge because are you charging for the creation or are you charging for like the ideation of it it's very it gets it gets a little hairy but that's one of like the client contractor relationships. But that's one of the, ah, do you guys like that sip of water? That pick up good on the mic? That's one of the things that, that comes with the territory of a client contractor relationship. So that can be a little bit difficult to get over mentally sometimes because you might think that your idea is the way that they should go. But you know, at the end of the day, if they want to go in another direction, that's fine. That's what I've learned from that. I've that's another thing that I've slowly gotten over over time. And it, it really just comes with repetition and, you know, being in different situations and, and kind of having repeat situations where, you know, someone might ask me for a product and I have a really good idea, but they say, oh, I was actually thinking of this, it's, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm like, oh, man, I thought again, I thought my idea was good. Like, I, I really think this is the move. I think you would do well with this being the idea or this being the product. But it's their product. Again, it's theirs. So 
sometimes you have to leave emotion out of it and just do your work to the best of your ability. And that's all you can do. And from there, you know, as long as you're putting in the work and you're still making it to the standard that you have, which I would hope is high, if the, if the person likes it, then that's really all you can ask for. So client contractor is another level of working with others, one that I'm very much standing on right now and will continue to stand on because it's in my line of work. And those are just a couple experiences and examples that you guys might get something from, I hope, especially if you are listening to this and you might just be dipping your toes into the waters of freelance work or you know, doing work for other people. Or if you're having some of the same frustrations that I've had in the past and that I continue to have from time to time and they don't ever go away because, again, it's an ego thing. Like you have such a high standard or or I should say I have such a high standard of how I see things. And sometimes I think that my vision of how things should be done is the way that they should be done. But that's not that's not the case all the time. You know, if someone's confiding in you and hiring you to and they trust your vision, then, yeah, sure. But if your vision doesn't match with someone else's, especially if they're the ones who are owning the product at the end of the day, then that's, that is the right vision. What they think is right is right because it's for them. And you have to separate your emotion from that and just do the work to your, to the best of your ability, as I said before. So I still get like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm being a little bit preachy, which I hate doing and try not to do. But I'm also preaching to myself. This is kind of a cathartic thing for me right now, speaking in my room that is getting progressively darker right now. I got to go turn on a light soon because over the last however long it's been, like 30-ish minutes, 20 minutes, I don't know. I've also, for the record, I've screwed up on some of the things I wanted to say that you aren't going to hear because I've cut them out. So the time of recording right now is 42 minutes, just to clue you in, but I'm sure it's not 42 minutes on the actual podcast. But it's getting really dark, so I should probably turn the light on soon because it's starting to like trip me out a little bit because I'm like so focused on what I'm talking about and not focused on my surroundings. It's very strange. But this is very cathartic for me because I'm not only sharing my experiences and maybe helping out people who are listening if they're open to it. Like You don't have to take anything that I say uh, and put it in your pocket and you know use it for later. That, that's a very interesting phrase. I'd never heard that before. I don't know if I'm ever going to say that again. Put it in your pocket and save it for later. I don't know. It could be cool. Um, but it, it's also for me as well. I'm also kind of just stream of consciousness, fleshing out some of my thoughts and just recording them. Very strange. Very strange. I will be honest. It, now that I say it out loud, it feels very weird. I'm literally, I, I mean, it's always been that way. I've always been in the room by myself unless I have a, a guest in person. And actually, I mean, even with a guest online, I'm communicating with someone. But like in the other two episodes, it's very weird that I'm just kind of recording my thoughts, my out loud thoughts, and then putting them on the Internet and people listen to them if they want to. That's very strange to me, but it's fun. And, you know, one more thing about working with others before we go to part two is in person versus over the Internet. And that is a thing I have a great amount of experience in because my job with Jimmy, my work with Jimmy is not in person. It rarely ever is. It was this weekend in Orlando, and I will talk about how awesome it was again in uh, in just a couple seconds. But he lives in San Francisco. I live in Boston. Monty lives in San Francisco. So the reason that he brought Monty in is to have somebody there all the time who can you know he can fire ideas off off of and also just communicate with in person because you know human interaction honestly human interactions pretty fucking dope dude you ever talk to someone before like face to face it's sick you should try it sometime i don't do it that often uh 
that's not true. I made myself sound really sad for a minute, but I, but to be honest, I don't do it as much as I should. So Jimmy brought in Monty, not just for his skill set, but because, you know, working in person with someone and I'm sure, you know, if I have Monty on the show at some point or, or Jimmy, which I hope to, they can kind of talk about that if I, you know, we want to, but, um, and I can attest to that as well. Like I said, and will say in a minute. So most of our communication happens over the internet on Slack or text or phone, and that's how we get our work done. And it gets a little weird from time to time because sometimes you know the intentions of messages can be misconstrued. I do that a lot. I can also be very passive aggressive. That's a very shitty personality trait that I have that I am uh, constantly trying to get better at, just like other things in my life. But that's just how I am sometimes. Yeah, I'm a piece. Of, I'm a piece of shit, dude. I'm passive aggressive. Uh, I, I love too much. I'm kind of sometimes a neat freak. Um, I'm just going to use the rest of this part to list off the, all of the negative qualities that I have. Just kidding. That would be sad for you and definitely for me. So I'm not going to do that. And sometimes it gets to the point where like constant internet communication and not actually being in the same room as, as someone makes things feel a little bit stale. So every single time that I've been in the same room as Jimmy and done work with him in person, the energy's crazy. Like the ideas are firing off left and right. We're always way more on the same page because I can literally look him in the eye and he can look me in the eye and we can recognize where we're coming from rather than trying to read a text message. Now I know I speak for both of us in saying, I wish this would happen more often. I wish it was more frequent that we were in each other's presence, but that's just not how things are at the moment. That's not how life is carrying us through the, the life wins or whatever. But yeah, so it's, you know, that, that dynamic of working over the internet versus in person is, is very, very interesting. And I don't really know what you can take from this, but maybe try to just work with people in person more often, you know, check out your local scene, get involved. And it only helps you get people skills from just repetition and practicing and just being around people. And you can kind of just, you make more genuine connections with people. If you only communicated with someone or met them over text message or over DMs or whatever, and never met them in real life, that relationship's never going to reach the same level as if you were in the same room as the person. So if you can make, you know, if you can make it happen where you're working with someone in person, do that. I guess that's, I guess that's what you can take from, from that. It's always interesting working on a project that is both over the airwaves and in person. Now, what Jimmy and I do is that, but I mean more in regards to specific projects or one-off kinds of things where you're not always gonna be in the same room as the people you're working with. For example, the two events that I co-collab, well, no, it's not co-collaborated, that's redundant. The two events that I collaborated with George Peshkov on and others like Nabita and Atura and uh, Ben Bursell, Bobby Pantano, the two events that we threw, the music events in Boston, we weren't always in the same room. You know, most of the chat was going on in a chat. There was only like a couple days where we were together in person and one of them being the actual day of the event. So it was, it's always an interesting dynamic firing off, excuse me, ideas through a group chat where they could be misconstrued or your intentions might not be clear or you're not getting your ideas across. Being in person, once you can do that is great. So if you are collaborating on a project, try to have that type of communication more often than not, even if it's just a phone call because you can hear intonations and prosody and uh those are that's a word that i learned in college and i was like i'm gonna use it i'm gonna, I'm gonna say it right now because i'm trying my best to use my college education to a positive extent 
I can, and honestly, I cannot fucking tell you what prosody means now. Now I gotta look it up, dude. I know it has to do with um, intonation. The patterns of rhythm and sound used in poetry. Well, forget that it's about poetry, but the patterns and rhythm of sound. It's one of the things, it's okay. I was a communications major. It's one of those things like human communication. I learned it in my intro to human communication class and it's how we speak to each other, how we communicate with each other. And there's different things like haptics is how you move your hands or if you're banging on a table when you're talking. Yeah, this is weird shit that I'm talking about. It probably makes no sense right now, but there's a reason why I brought it up is because when you're on the phone or you're in person, you get those types of added levels to communication where you can understand where people are coming from. And sometimes over text, you don't get that. That's the whole point. It's This is all shit that we all know already. It's very intrinsic, but I think just saying it out loud kind of reinforces the importance of it all. So I think that's a good place to wrap things up. I am gonna go turn the light on. I know I said I was gonna do it before. I didn't, and now it is very much so dark in this room. So I need to go do that. And I will be back on the other side for part two, so don't go anywhere, please. Please don't go anywhere. Please keep listening. All right, BRB. Welcome back to the Show and Tell podcast. This is part two of the show, which is Show and Tell and more. Now, being that I don't have a guest for this episode, I will be sharing something with you, the lovely listeners, something that resonates with me that you guys might like too. In this case, maybe you, I don't know, maybe you might like it, maybe you won't like it. It's a very interesting topic, but one that is very close to my heart. It is a musical artist or band, which is a musical artist. I always, it's weird to me with that kind of thing because I always associate musical artists with a single entity. So saying something like, hey, have you heard of the musical artist insert band name here or group here? I mean, I guess like, have you ever heard of the musical artist Brockhampton? See, that just sounds weird to me because Brockhampton is not one person. But you wouldn't say, have you heard of the musical artist Brockhampton? Or would you? No, I don't think you would. I. Who cares? This is meaningless. It's a band and they are my favorite band and just overall musical artist. See, again, it's weird. <laughs> musical artist of all time. And by of all time, I mean my time on earth. I don't think they're the greatest band of all time. Personally, I think Led Zeppelin's the greatest band of all time. I know some of you will agree with me on that. Some of you won't. I know there's a lot of people who like think Metallica's the best band of all time because they're more into the heavier side of rock music. But uh, Or people would think the Beatles maybe. Personally, I don't really fuck with the Beatles that much. I know that's uh, borderline sacrilegious to say or blasphemous. Is that the blasphemous? Either Either way. I think that's the same shit, same word. Well, it's not the same word. They're two different words, but they mean the same thing as far as I'm aware of. I know that uh, some Beatles fans might have an issue with that, but it's not that I don't like their music. They're, it's fine. I can listen to it, but I just don't hold them in as high regard as other people. And now I'm going to cut that tangent off and go back to what I am talking about now. So the music from this band doesn't necessarily fit the show and tell vibe in that you won't really hear any of this music on a playlist you won't really hear any kind of rock music because show and tells more uh on the side of rap and electronic because that's just kind of what i i don't know i don't want i don't need to explain myself right now <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day I, it can become a slightly more inclusive brand uh, again i what am i doing i don't need to explain anything any of this shit right now <laughs> so 
This is a band that I very much like. And the name of the band is Dance Gavin Dance. I'm looking at a physical copy of a CD right in front of me. It's funny because it's their most recent album and it's the only CD that I have from them, but I just wanted to have some sort of physical, tangible thing in front of me to hold, even though no one can see it right now. It is their most recent album, Artificial Selection, one which I very much enjoyed, as I have enjoyed all of their other albums throughout the last 12 years that they've been around. Yo, yo, what up? It's your boy, Post Production K. Just wanted to chime in and make a correction. The band has been around since 2005, so it's 15 years, not 12. All right, peace. Ha <laughs> Beat, stay up. All right, bye. <laughs> but to give you a little bit more insight on who they are, what kind of music they make, and kind of in itself explaining why you don't necessarily see this type of music or this band specifically on show and tell arms or platforms with the Spotify playlist and, and all of that shit is because they are a post-hardcore band and show and tell again the vibe is more hip-hop electronic pop R&B um, if you're listening right you know this you know this already if you're an avid follower of show and tell so I don't I don't need to get into that but anyway Dance Gavin Dance is a post-hardcore outfit from California, I believe. I think it's California. And post-hardcore maybe is not the best description of their music, especially now because their sound covers such an eclectic range and pulls from a lot of different genres. And that's pretty much the main reason why I love them so much because I... Um, Yo, so I have like a sick music taste. My my musical palette is so diverse and like really refined. That was the douchey way of saying it. Now I'm going to say try to say it in a non-pretentious uh, manner. I like a lot of different kinds of music. I like jazz. I like funk. I like music that has jazz and funk influences. I like hip-hop. I like rock music. I love metalcore. I love to just fucking headbang and shit to some some death metal. Honestly, it's great. I like, I don't like country. I have to say that. Fuck that genre. Apologies to all the country listeners out there, which is most likely zero if I were to wager a guess. I like pop music. I like dance. I like all of the, most of, most of all of the subgenres of electronic music. And yeah, I just, I like a lot of different kinds of music. And that is why I like Dance Gavin Dance so much is because they pull from a lot of different genres and they have a lot of different styles within their music and album to album, the sound is different. And that is perpetuated by the fact that they've had three different lead singers over the 12 years that 15. they've been in existence. It might be a touch longer than that. I saw them on their 10 year anniversary tour and that would have been 20, wow, yeah, okay, it's definitely more than 12 years, 2016, that was four years ago, wow. So that's, that's the main reason why I love them is just because you can have these car crash rough vocal sections that really get your energy up and then it just transitions into sweet and serenading cadences with the, with the clean vocals and really, or, or really funky guitar riffs or really kind of smooth poppy choruses or, and all of these different sounds and styles and the way that they really transition from one to another really effortlessly and smoothly is just really fucking cool. I just think their music is really fucking cool. I think that's the best way to describe it. And if you are open to listening to different kinds of music and you're kind of into, maybe you had a, an emo rock phase uh, where you listen to like My Chemical Romance, not that they really had any screamo involved, but if you were kind of, you had a phase like me, which mine, you know, blossomed into a whole nother, you know, musical scene that I am into now, 
maybe you might like this band too. So I definitely recommend giving them a listen. But how I got into them, just to give a little more insight and to kind of uh, maybe just kill a little time because I may or may not be trying to fill some, some time on this episode. But maybe not. Maybe this recording will go along. I don't know. Again, just been talking and it's just, just been recording for a while. There's going to be a lot of editing in this episode. So I really came to love this band in about 10th grade of high school. So I would have been 15, I think. I think you're 15 when you're in 10th grade unless you get held back or you're smart and you get pushed forward or whatever. I don't know. I think I was like 15 years old. And going back even a little bit further to middle school, that is when I started to enjoy listening to different kinds of rock music. The first CD I actually ever had was Yellow Card. Yellow Card Ocean Avenue was the first CD that I ever physically purchased. Well, I think my parents purchased it for me, but that's the first CD I ever owned. So that was the first type of rock music that I liked. And now that I'm actually saying that out loud, that's not necessarily true because my dad would always play Led Zeppelin and ACDC and Jimi Hendrix and all these other kinds of bands that them in themselves were experimental at the time and really pushing the the limits of what music was at the time. So I had those early influences, but the first like conscious purchase I made and conscious listening that I had to that style was Yellow Card and like Green Day and My Chemical Romance, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. If you guys were into those bands, I'm sure I'm sending you on quite the nostalgia trip right now. And I go down those uh, rabbit holes from time to time um, just to like re-listen to that music and it still holds up. But over time, my path in this, you know, sect of music blossomed into, I guess it was more of a craving for more. I can't really explain exactly why I like screamo music or, or metal post-hardcore because, I mean, if, if you think about it, Led Zeppelin was considered like hard rock. So maybe the reason why I like this style of music now and metal and post-hardcore and hard, hardcore, all of that kind of music, maybe that is traced back to that. But it's harder for me to trace my passion and love for this kind of music back to some point in my life compared to hip hop because my dad and my brothers were listening to like jazz and, and funk. And that is a little bit more of a direct relationship to hip hop and why for me personally, why I am so into hip hop and like electronic and dance music and whatnot. No, no one, no one else in my family listens to like death metal. I'm the only one who does that. And that's why I'm like, Oh, interesting. It's like, it kind of almost spawned on itself. My musical taste kind of, I don't know, just went on its own little path. What's interesting about this kind of music is that I was not always very willing to tell people that I liked listening to that kind of music for fear of being judged or being seen as kind of different in a negative way, which is kind of like what the whole, you know, punk rock is kind of all about, like being an outcast or just being different and like expressing your angst and stuff like that. I, I look back now and I think that's silly because I am very proud to say that I like that kind of music and I've met people, enough people now and I have the people in my life that I want to have in my life who are accepting of all kinds of people and their tastes and their choices and morals and all that shit. So, but at the time I like, I didn't, I was like, I don't know. I, I was afraid to play any songs that I liked in front of certain people or, or whatever, because for fear of being judged, I guess. But now it's, you know, I don't know, maybe the music itself kind of helped me pull through that. But yeah, it was just really interesting that the, the progression of, of me listening to that music then to where I am now. But Dance Gavin Dance was one of the first, one of the early bands that I was listening to because 
I enjoy having music that has a balance of rough vocals and clean vocals. When I was in my early stages of listening to rougher, heavier rock music, I was like, oh, I don't really like this because it's only rough vocals. Now I don't mind if there's no rough, or sorry, if there's no clean vocals. But at the time I was like, I need there to be clean vocals. And Dance Gavin Dance had that. They had, like I said, clean vocals and rough vocals. So I just found him on YouTube. I don't even remember anything past that. I think I just found him on YouTube or Last FM. If you guys remember that, you could search like artists similar to blank and you still can. It's actually a nice way to, uh, I don't know, find new music. We have plenty of technology now and services that recommend new music. So you probably wouldn't use it now, but it, I think it still exists. If you Googled like artists similar to Dance Gavin Dance, a Last FM link would, would be in the search results, I think. But yeah, so my memory doesn't go back far enough to remember exactly how I came across them, but I think it was because I liked one band and YouTube recommended them and I listened to them. And initially, I was still kind of on the fence about the rough vocals and some of the harder sections, but there was something inside me that made me go back to it. And I, yeah, and then it just kind of came to be this whole now a love for this kind of music. And like, just I like to listen to super heavy music but dance gavin dance was at the forefront of that and they have become my favorite band i have a tattoo on my arm that is kind of a rendition of one of their covers i think oh you know what now i'm remembering in episode four with willie crooks uh matthias matthias adolfson rather sorry who does all the cover art for dance gavin dance i talked about him as a show and tell item so if you guys remember that this is the band i mentioned them so i mentioned them before i forgot about that I have a a, a, um, a picture on my wall that's in my studio that uh, my girlfriend Jordan got for me, which is cover artwork of, I think, arguably in my head, the, my favorite album of theirs, Happiness. Happiness is the most like trippy, acid rock sounding uh, of them, but with a lot of funk in it as well. Uh, the lead singer at the time was Kurt Travis. And that album, I remember one specific instance of listening to it all the way through with my friends in college in our apartment living room and just hearing it in a different way and being blown away by the musicianship and just the sound and again it just being super funky but also having these really heavy sections and something about that just really gets me going and and there's a lot of lyric lyrics in dance gavin dance's music that really resonate with me hard one of the ones from the album happiness is talking is for functioning people it's off of Carl Barker. The song is called Carl Barker. Haven't really figured out uh, what that means or why it's named that rather, but I don't know. I've always been a quiet person. Now Nowadays, I, I guess I'm not as quiet now. I have a, a fucking podcast, but I've always kind of just been keep to myself, reserved, quiet, I guess is, is accurate. Uh, that kind of person you know, in, in high school and just in, you know, social situations, I usually tend to fade into the background a little bit and be more observant and only really pitch in when I have something important to say or like something worthwhile. But at the same time, I, the social anxiety and stuff, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But talking is for functioning people. It's just a deep lyric to me, at least. Maybe if you're hearing this now, you're like, that's, that's not that deep. I don't know. It's kind of kind of a weird lyric. It's kind of weird, man. I could say the same thing about your Drake, your favorite Drake song. Fucking, I I feel some I feel some type of way about Drake. I like his music, but I think he's a bitch. Anyway, Dance Gavin Dance is my favorite musical artist, which is kind of funny in a way because 
you know, on show and tell, I'm, I'm all about hip hop and electronic. And, you know, to be fair, it's hard for me to compare Dance Gavin Dance to like Kendrick Lamar because I fucking love Kendrick Lamar. And he's one of my favorite artists ever as well. But there's just something about what Dance Gavin Dance did for me and their stories within their music that really got me through a lot of really hard times and just my formidable years. Yo, yo, it's post-production K yet again. I didn't want to have to chime in, but I meant to say formative, not formidable. I felt like it was kind of necessary to make that clarification. Uh, I can't speak no good sometimes. So yeah, anyway, uh, back, back. let's get back to the episode. All right, bye. You know, just your usual growing pains, your mental growing pains that you have as you grow up being a teenager and being like socially anxious and fucking depressed all the time. And like that is this is the band. This is the artist that really helped me get through a lot of that. There were plenty of others that also helped as well. But this one in particular is and will always be number one in my heart. So if you want to listen to some new music and try something out, maybe you're looking for some inspiration and you want to listen to something completely out of your comfort zone or or you're just, you know, you like all kinds of music like I do and you want to just dive into something new, an artist that has a huge catalog. I mean, they have like seven studio albums or eight and they also put out like a live studio session album of a bunch of their popular songs. They also did a remastered version of, of one of of the album that I actually is is um, not the happiness album, but probably my second favorite album, the one that I have a tattoo of, or the character, the the robot with human hair. He's on the cover of the album. They did a re a remastered version that just makes it sound a lot better. And then they have like instrumental versions. They have a shit ton. Of, like I love that they're doing that. They have a lot of stuff going on. But if you want to listen to all of that stuff, here's a couple songs that you might like because their musical plate is filled with all different kinds because again they've been around for so long that their sound has really changed and progressed over time and it's a really cool transition so maybe you start with their first album and then move from there or maybe you just listen to some of these recommendations and you can or i can hopefully point you in the right direction and maybe i don't know try to get the best representations of where they were and where they are now with their sound so Without further ado, a couple track recommendations, which is going to be very difficult for me because I like a lot of them. First up, we'll start with Carl Barker. That was the one that I mentioned before. That's from the Happiness album where Kurt Travis was the lead singer. There have been three lead singers of this band, three clean lead singers. And if you haven't picked up on this yet, clean vocals is, this is what this sounds like. And then rough vocals are, I can't even fucking do that. Rough vocals. <laughs> Um, I kind of can, but it just sounds like I'm whispering. Rough vocals might be uh, actually looking at the the audio peaks that got picked up pretty good. Maybe I should maybe I should be a rough vocalist. I'm gonna listen back to this and be like, no, you fucking shouldn't. But yeah, that's the difference there. So, but they've had three lead singers. Johnny Craig was the first one, who personally I think is the greatest voice I've ever heard. He is so talented. He's got this like raspy tinge to his voice that he can still achieve when he's singing very high up. But then he can also really float with his voice nicely and it's uh, really smooth. He got kicked out of the band, then Kurt Travis came in, um, and then Tillian, or well then Johnny Craig came back and then got kicked out again. <laughs> there's uh, there's some, some stories there, some history to that. And then their current lead singer, who I think has been there now for the longest out of all of them, is Tillian Pearson, who has really won me over. It's not that I never liked him in the first place. I liked him from the, from the jump, but to see how he's progressed with it from the first album he was involved in to now is really awesome and 
he's a, a really he's his range is insane. He already kind of has a naturally high uh, ranged voice. I don't know with soprano or alto or whatever his natural range is, but he just kind of has a naturally high voice. But um, yeah, that's another tangent again. So anyway, going back, Carl Barker is is one track I think you should start with with Kurt Travis as the lead singer. I'll only pick that song from that album. I think that's the best representation of that era. If we go back a little bit further to Downtown Battle Mountain, that's kind of been a series of albums throughout Dance Gavin Dance's tenure. There's been Downtown Battle Mountain and well, actually, there's only been two. <laughs> Downtown Battle Mountain and Downtown Battle Mountain Two. Downtown Battle Mountain One is from 2007, and I would probably say that Lemon Rang Tie. I mean, that is kind of the general consensus of most Dance Gavin Dance fans is that that is their best song ever. It has a really recognizable drum fill at the very beginning and super technical guitar. And then you get to hear Johnny Craig's voice and then it's it serenading at the beginning. And then on the hook, it's very powerful. And the lyrics, again, are, are really powerful and deep as well. Dude, they're super deep, man. The lyric, Their lyrics are so deep. It's like you, it makes you really think and shit. But yeah, that one I would recommend. And then if we were to fast forward now to a little bit more modern times, uh, Strawberry Swisher Part 3 off of their Acceptance Speech album is really dope. Young Robot is a good song to listen to. It kind of has some pop vibes to it. Tillian's voice is really, really fucking cool on that. He hits like some nice range. And the last song is going to be from... I mean, Artificial Selection is obviously what they sound like now. And it's a really good album. From that album, if you want to listen to their most recent stuff, then I would recommend listening to Count Basie. So I don't know if, I mean, to me it's Count Basie, but it might be Count Bassie. I heard somebody on a YouTube video say Count Bassie, but that just doesn't sound right to me. Count Basie. So we're going with that. The ending to that song is so good. It's one of my favorite Dance Gavin Dance moments from as long as they've been around and as long as I've listened to them. So if you were to listen to their most recent album, that's the song I would pick. Or just fucking, I don't know, listen to the whole album from top to bottom. Like a like how I should listen to music more. I'm not good about doing that. I jump around. But the last song that I will officially endorse is from Instant Gratification, which I, I'm looking at my iTunes and usually it says the year that it came out, but this one doesn't for some reason. I think it was 2015 maybe. They, it's like it, it's crazy the, the rate at which they churn out music and it's still very quality. They're not the only people to do that, but I just felt the need to say that. The song is On the Run off of Instant Gratification. That one has those car crash sections that I was talking about. I think I didn't come up with that. I think just the Dance Gavin Dance community did as well. Or maybe it's maybe I'm just misremembering and that's what Anthony Fantano said. By the way, he reviewed this Instant Gratification album and he gave it a one, which uh, was pretty wild. I could kind of see where he was coming from in some regards, but uh, yeah, it's not a one. Take it from me. I don't think it's a one. But listen to On The Run. So I think I've given you four official suggestions. And then if you are into those, go explore more because you're going to, every song you come across within each album, you're going to get similar vibes. But if you just jump around from album to album, like you're not going to hear the same thing over and over in a good way. So I definitely recommend checking them out. But I, at the end of the day, I wanted to share my love for them because that's kind of really made me who I am. And if anything, it's really kind of helped develop my music taste, just listening to something completely different, but at the same time, something that pulls from a lot of different genres and styles and all of that stuff that I mentioned before. So Dance Gavin Dance, I love you so much. 
If any of you guys are listening to this episode from the band, uh, what's up? I'm going to try to go to your show in Boston whenever that is in like April or something. I might go by myself. Tickets might be sold out actually now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, yeah, if you're listening, I love you. And uh, haha, uh, what's good? You guys are sick. And thank you so much. I'm not being a, uh, a doofus in saying that. Like, thank you for f- making making awesome music and uh, aiding indirectly, unknowingly aiding me through my teenage years and now because I still have problems. I'm even, you know, the contrary to popular belief, you still have problems even after you're a teenager. They're just different. But anyway, I'm not going to end the show on that note. I got a couple things to say before we go. I don't have anything because, you know, I really didn't have anything planned for this episode to begin with. I don't really have anything to share that I didn't learn in school. If I think of something in the next five seconds or while I'm editing, maybe I'll just like punch it in right here. Yep. Nope. I, I didn't have anything. So apologies on that. If you were looking for me to drop some wisdom or knowledge or share a life hack. I mean, I could talk to you guys maybe about the TikTok algorithm because I've learned a lot about that over the last couple of weeks because I have a TikTok. Well, no, I, it's not, I still don't know shit about it. But yeah, I'm very much into TikTok now. I have a TikTok with a million with a million views and it's still blowing my mind. I can't. I don't. It's so weird. It's so wild to me. And I'm a hypocrite, of course. But that goes without saying because I said I wouldn't download it. And now I make one like every single <laughs> every single day. Anyway, that's enough of the TikTok talk. TikTok talk. I am not going to talk anymore about TikTok, hopefully for the next couple of episodes. So before we go, you can find, I'll I'll link some of Dance Gavin Dance's music and whatever their social media in the bio, not the bio, the the SoundCloud link, soundcloud.com slash let's show and tell. If you want to follow me personally, creator K, I am at creator underscore K on Instagram and at creator K underscore on Twitter. I post and I... I tweet and I do the other social medias on there so you can reach out. Always open to DMs. People can DM me about anything, have a chat, ask questions, whatever. You can hit us up. And by us, I still mean it's me. You you will be in contact with me if you hit us up on Show and Tell at Let's Show and Tell. Follow us in general for some cool content at Let's Show and Tell. L-E-T-S-S-H-O-W-A-N-D-T-E-L. Fuck, I messed that up. T-E-L-L, whatever, man. I tried. I gave it my best effort, just as I am giving this whole episode my best effort, always holding myself to a high standard, as I mentioned before. Follow our Spotify playlist. That's another thing. (laughs) That's another thing I wanted to say before ending this episode. Anything else you want to find that's important that I might be forgetting to mention will be at soundcloud.com slash let's show and tell. If you enjoyed listening to this show, or if you are a frequent listener and you just haven't done so yet, it'd be cool if you gave a rating and review, a positive one, on Apple. I almost said iTunes, but I'd said it right this time, on Apple Podcasts. And the second thing that you can do if you enjoyed listening to this episode is share it with a friend. As with anything that you enjoy sharing, share it with people, because sharing is caring. I'll catch y'all later. Peace.